This podcast is dedicated in loving memory and tribute to Judy Roth, Ashley Berg, and Bennett White. Radio, a podcast about cycling, health, music, art, and transformation. With your hosts, Greg Roth and Dave the Rocket Richter. All right, episode number 11 of We Ride Why Radio, a podcast about cycling, health, music, art, and transformation. I'm Greg. And I'm Rocket. And welcome back to The Swarm. We're going to get into it in just a minute, but before that, we're going to kick it off with one of my favorite artists from the Pacific Northwest. This is Julia Massey and the Five Finger Discount. Rocket is back in the studio. Welcome back, Rocket. Thanks, Greg. I'm back. Good. How's it feel to be back? It feels colder. Does it feel? That's it does. Right. You're in Arizona. It does. It feels colder, but it feels great. Yeah, you like home. that? You're you're a Northwesterner. It's like this is this is how you roll, right? That's right. I can't stay home for more. You know, when I'm gone for more than a few weeks, I start yeah. to really miss it. Sure. Do you really? I do. Tell me, like, because Arizona is pretty cool, and I I saw the photos out on the Instagram page. And folks, go to a Fount Cycling Instagram page if you want to see some of the adventures that rockets on not just last week but like all the time like wherever he's up to go out there and you can get some uh, video content and some great pictures anyway from what i saw it looked like you were having a blast and getting a lot of riding in yeah i was uh those two things come together yeah you know like when i'm riding i'm having a blast most of the time and i did a lot of riding (laughs) (laughs) you you can't not have fun rocket like it's your happy place for sure yeah um yeah so tell me, um, riding in Arizona, how does it compare to riding here? Obviously, it's hotter and there's hills there, but what, what's the biggest difference? Uh, the motorists, for sure, are different. You know, mm. we think they're bad here until you go there. Really? They're way worse. Yeah. What are they like? Tell me. Uh, they just, uh, you know, they just, I, I think, you know, I don't know. Everybody's got their own story, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a lot more hostility, I think, that really? they feel. Yeah, and they give you a little bit less room. Um, they're a little bit less patient. Mm. Um I think it's just because there's more cyclists around here. 
Yeah. I think there it's more of a car culture. The, yeah. ro- the roads are built for cars and there's not, they don't always have bikes in mind. Yeah. And they look at you as kind of like, I want to get from here to here and you're in my way. Yeah. yeah or even like, if you're not in their way, he like, <laughs> they just look at you as like, they don't, you know, what's funny. Like <laughs> we've said this before, but drivers forget that you drive too. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, just, like they said, I'm a like, motorist too. Right. It's funny. But you know what's funny, Rocket? I have to admit, when, before I started getting back into cycling, I used to like really get pissed at cyclists. Yeah. Well, well not all the time. But yeah, yeah. It, but it usually it was in traffic. Right. And, and I knew it wasn't really about them, but I needed somebody to fit my frustration. And then I started riding a bike, and then I converted to the from the dark side. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, t- just today I was rolling through this. Uh, there's a four-way yep. stop, you know, and yep. it was like... Uh, I went with the car in front of me. Yeah. We, we got to the front of the line, didn't cut any cars. And then uh, me and my riding partner went with the car in front of us. And then the other car was honking. And I'm like, <laughs> we're doing you a favor. Yeah. You know, you could have waited for us. We could have slowed down, stopped. Yeah. But oh, well. I just want to say, like, get out here and ride and see what it's really like. You know, because it's easy when you're in your little metal cocoon. For sure. I mean, and the <laughs> number one thing for a cyclist is to yep. stay safe, right? So, I mean, right. most of the moves you make are to stay safe. It's not to, you know, make time. You know, your time is going to be the same. Your commute is the same amount of time on a bike <laughs> it's, at, all the time. It's true. It's true. Hey, but one one thing, though, you never, you didn't have a gun pulled on you, though, right? Not this time. Because that, <laughs> that happened here. See, folks, you can go back to some of our one of our previous episodes i don't i can't recall off the top of my head but there's a great story there but at least that didn't happen <laughs> it didn't happen no i'm yeah. sure it could have happened there's a oh, lot yeah. of guns in arizona for sure i guess if you ride long enough eventually somebody will, may pull a gun on you yeah <laughs> so how is wolfie and jen wolfie's getting big yeah he's, he's getting large for sure and he's starting to talk more yeah so it's great um but now he's at the age now where you got to keep an eye on him because oh yeah he's quick and and uh he'll get in he'll get into something dude I've been out with you guys, and like, if you turn your back for a second, he's gone. Yeah. I've had to chase him down. When at Seward Park, I remember, like, like you know, I, I wanted to give you and Jen a break, so some of the club members, you know, you know, it takes a village, right? It's right. <laughs> and and so we watch Wolfie for you. And yep. I swear, man, I don't take my eye off that kid because number one, he will take off, and number two, he's like his dad. He's really fast. He is fast. And yeah. and like uh, now he gets a ball and he knows like oh a ball you throw it so he right. he'll take a ball and he'll look at it and he'll look at you and he'll throw it right at your face you know <laughs> wow he doesn't mean anything but he's just like oh a ball that's throw what it. you're supposed Boom. to do yeah, yeah that's how they process <laughs> ball throw um, does he kick it uh, he he, do- he does he's actually really good at so- I think that's going to be his hidden talent really? in soccer yeah because he doesn't even practice it but he's just a natural at soccer dude I can't wait because you just know that that kid whatever he chooses to. to participate in yep he's gonna be the superstar yeah he is because he's genetically engineered between you and jen yeah his, and his fashion sense is nice too I his mean, fashion sense is good he dressed himself today and he really n- not one color matched <laughs> awesome <laughs> blue shoes red pants green shirt yeah that's great he, he's kind of like marching to the beat of his own drum that's creating right. his own style you never know maybe he'll be you just never know it's fun because there's so much possibility and it's fun for us uh, to hang out and watch you with him. Yeah, um, he's the club kid. Everybody, the club it takes a village, kid. like it, you said. It takes a village, and so um, it, it's really great, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch him. Eventually, we'll, he'll, we'll have him on the show, and then he can co-host, too. There you go. <laughs> so you're going back to Arizona, though, right? We are going back for a race, early race in the season really? uh, called Valley of the Sun, yeah. That sounds great. Now, are there a lot more races scheduled now that COVID seems to be a little bit you know, yeah, exactly, and that's what, and I think that's what's going on with like the uh, the governing federation right. is they're they're like let's move on, let's get yeah. these races up there, and like let's deal with uh, COVID, uh, you know, as it's a problem. Right. right now, I think it looks pretty good. I think so. And last year was almost a beta test with it. I mean, yeah. it was still going on pretty heavy, but hey, all the major races went off. We got to race last year. Some stuff got canceled, mm-hmm. um, but but for the most part, I. You know, we had a good season, and I know you were traveling a lot, but do you anticipate a lot more this year? Are you going to be participating in a lot more as a team? Yeah, the team has definitely uh, stepped it up, and, uh, you know, we got the sponsorship from Cannondale and, yeah. and Shimano, and um, so, yeah, the, the ladies' team is going to be traveling all over. They got uh, about six to 12 races they're doing, you know, like big-time national-level yeah. races, and then the uh, the guys are kind of, like, getting in on that as yeah. well. So, yeah, that's yeah, great. 
between all that, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm going to be on the move for sure. Yeah, I'm going to be doing some racing. And I signed up for, I told you this earlier, but I signed up for Seattle to Portland, mm. which I have not done in two years because of COVID. And it's really special. It's it's fun because it's this big event where the whole cycling community participates. It's 10,000 people. People fly in from all over the world because it, there's no, it's one of the few double centuries where you can actually ride a double century in one day. Yeah. But what I love about it is it's in July. Usually the Tour de France is going on during that time so you're all you're already you know yeah in the zone right and and then you get to portland and then there's this big party at the end so it's it's cool it's like a celebration of of cycling and it's got rich tradition i think this will be the 42nd year i did the 40th how do you get back bus yeah so what you do it's really they've got it they got it dialed in really well. So you go down, you, you already get your bus arrangement and you pay for that too. And then basically what happens is you come off the finish line and then you take your bike to this holding area and then they take care of it. Oh, they wow. tag it. Then you can go off and party and do whatever. And then you come back on the bus the next day. And when you get back to uh, university of Washington parking lot, which yep. is where we start, the bike's waiting for you. And then I ride home. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's great, man. Wow, that's so awesome. I'll book a hotel there. And, and what I love to do, and I told you this, but one of my favorite things has been is it's become this tradition i do seattle to portland um i hang out at the finish line for a little bit i i go home shower get a good meal and i turn on la tour de france and i watch the replay of la tour de france and i go i'm happy i might have to join you on that one this Dude, year Greg. i gotta i gotta look at the dates make sure that if i'm not out racing i'll definitely do this you can make STP. a race of it if you want to because like i you know it just depends on how much you want to stop right yeah. but maybe i'll be, bring wolfie in the trailer Oh, yeah. You know what, dude? You could do it because you race enough to where you can actually kind of enjoy the long distance and then bring Wolfie. And then you can do it one day or you can you could camp in Chehalis. Yeah. You know, at, at the midpoint yeah, yeah. and then come the next day. But cool. no, it's fun, man. Comparatively speaking, compared to what you do, I mean, and how much yeah. elevation you do in a day, it's five to six thousand feet spread out over 200 yeah. miles so it's manageable it's just a lot of it's a big time. ride though yeah and it's hot yeah. <laughs> but yeah you feel it at the end but it's also really cool the energy of the group and you get into portland about you know you leave at 4 30 in the morning you're pulling to portland at twilight and zipping through the streets of portland and it's it's magic that's yeah. why i do it. well that's know? the best that's one of the things yep. that's great about the bike is you get to see things yeah. at slower pace than you can you know driving or flying or that's true in a train you know you do. I, I think one of the reasons we love cycling is is there's the the, the workout aspect, there's the health aspect. But um, you know the old saying, the world looks a lot different on a bike. It's so true. I see our yeah. city, and I've lived in this community for a while, and you've lived here your whole life. You see it in a completely different way on a bike. Oh yeah, that's why yeah. I'm so good with the you know getting around town is like because yeah. you do it on the bike, you know. Dude, you're awesome because you you live the complete biking lifestyle because you race mm-hmm. but then you have the bike that you take wolfie on yeah <laughs> you know your little commuter bike you take yep. wolfie on then and then then you've got your, your fixie bike your fixie bike yeah. and and you've got a like and then like one minute you're in your, your your race gear but then you're in your you know you're you're with wolfie and you're wearing a pair of jeans yeah and, and you're on your other bike so no you've embraced the the lifestyle and i love it because number one um it's great for sustainability it's great for the environment plus it's just fun it is you know we get to see things like i said a little slower pace so you see more you feel it too right Right. like you feel like you're like i feel like when i'm out riding and and it got me through covid because you know i'm working from home and i'm isolated but man when i'm out on my bike and you see your friends you're connecting to life and you're connecting to your friends and 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 it really was my saving grace not not that i was suicidal anything but i'm saying for my mental health, it really made a difference. It got me out. Yeah. It still does. Like I'm, I'm glad the weather's starting to get a little warmer to where now we're riding outdoors more now. Right. At least on the weekends for me. And on the week, I, during the week, I do my trainer. You know. Yeah. When, and when someone sees you out and they're in a car and they yeah. see you out yeah. on a bike, they they get excited. Dude, yeah. Th- that they saw you. You know, normally they don't get excited when they see you, but they see you in on the bike. They're, hey, I saw you on your bike. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, dude, was cool as I run into to our club members that I that I normally don't get to see. Like I was riding a couple weeks ago and there and and not a lot of people were out riding, but I'm trying to think of who it was came up behind me and said, Hey Greg. And yeah. then we rode a little bit and then, you know, he's, he's cat one. So he's like, yeah. Well, you off. live in the center of the universe here. That's so true. everybody comes by here. That's true. <laughs> I And that's one of the reasons I've lived in this area in the center of the universe, uh, you know, for eight or nine years and you can get to anywhere from here and yeah. it's close. And then you live in Ballard, which is really sister neighborhood, <laughs> sister yeah. neighborhood. And it's a really cool neighborhood. It's very artsy. It's different. Um, there's always something going on. Um, and man, you see your friends out on their bikes. It's a very bike centric community. We got bike shops around here yeah. too. And 
Um, yeah, it, it's a good lifestyle, man. It's 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 why we do this podcast. It's more than just a physical activity. It's a it's really a way of life, and 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 I love the social aspect yeah, from it for as sure. well. Um, yeah, man, it it's it's great. And I remember um, we were talking earlier. I met you. It's hard to believe. Five years ago, mm-hmm. January seventeenth when you were at Metier and I was just starting to work on the film and uh, man you changed my whole trajectory Trajectory. (laughs) (laughs) likewise man it's uh it's really cool to see the the film come along too and uh, and to see the development and and to see where everything's gone you know like where we've gone too you know the the turns and twists we've done in our lives and yeah, you think about like what's happened in those five years. Ashley passed away. You've been through some. You had a kid. You got married. Oh man, God. I mean, think about our yeah. life changes, right? Yeah. And um, the thing is, you know, the you know we, this podcast is born out of the film. And and those of you that are aware that we are making a documentary film, um, we were set back two years because of COVID. So we're starting to pick it up again. You know, we wanted to launch this podcast to have something out there. Um, and, and not just about the film, but just, to, you know, Rock and I have a lot to, to talk about. And, and we would get into these conversations, and we, we need some place for these conversations to go. Well, that's how the whole pod developed. Was that's that, true. You know, talking about the movie, and, you yeah. know, like, and if you could refer back to, like, the Ashley episode, too, you know, oh, like, yeah. some of that footage is like, I never heard any of that, you know? Me neither, all the way through. I mean, I've, I've it, gone through it because I couldn't. It was so emotional. I couldn't. I wasn't ready. Right. Right. to deal with it and I'll tell you Rocket and Jennifer your your wife she couldn't listen to it I know because she's a mom yeah, and yeah. she's a woman and I could see I could see it's it's hard to listen to and Ashley and, you know she was brave enough to tell it and, and she didn't hold anything back right because she knew it, it was cathartic for her but also she knew people would benefit so mm-hmm. yeah there, there's that and then um, we've, got, we've got Jenny we're gonna have her on for the special yeah. Valentine's episode her name's Jenny and her, she was born on Valentine's Day, wow. and and she's in the film, and uh, we're gonna have her on that show. So we're gonna have, and then we've got Bennett. Mm-hmm. So we got that interview. We played a little bit of it, so we have that. So we want to share a little bit about the progress of the movie. But uh, Jason Tang, who we'll also have on, is my co-director and, and videographer. He works uh, with Brandy Carlisle. He's mm-hmm. done her video work and her photo work. He's, he's awesome. And if you've seen our trailer and if you've seen some of the teaser trailers, um, you can see how amazing his work is. And so, you know, we're going to have him on officially. We are going to have a new trailer, um, to coincide on mother's day. Awesome. And then we will be launching a fundraising campaign. We haven't decided if it's going to be a, a GoFundMe or Kickstarter, but mm-hmm. we, we realize that that we want to pay some people and that we also need to market this thing we need to build our audience yeah. so it takes money to do that and then also the podcast ties into that right because the podcast is a companion to um, the movie and honestly you know if you think about all the things that mm-hmm. we talk about it's really in the movie right right <laughs> that's what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's awesome so we're giving you like the long form breakdown like like real meta <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta say man uh i'm so glad i met you because because you know like i said you changed my trajectory but my relationship with cycling changed because it opened up different possibilities and mm-hmm. looking at it in a way i'd never looked at it before because i didn't know somebody that raced at a professional level right. until i met you you were really the first person I knew people that rode really strong, and I knew people that raced, but I didn't know anyone that raced at the level. And then I met you, and then it, mm-hmm. and then now I met a whole team of people. But you are still the soul, and the grand poobah, and the spiritual leader. Ah, thank you. Of Mount Cycling, <laughs> grand poobah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So hey, I got to give you a compliment here too. So on the last episode, episode number ten, those of you who listen, go back and listen because you get to hear Rocket. Busting out his broadcast journalist chops. <laughs> it was great, dude. It was fun. It was yeah. a good time. We had the fount party. It was the year end party. And on the last episode, we actually introduced some of you who are listening to members of Fount. So you kind of get to know who they were and what they were up to and what they've gotten from Fount. And so we played some of those interviews uh, on the last episode, but we didn't have all of them no there's more there's more so we're gonna we're gonna just kind of throw in a couple more interviews that rocket did 
at the Fount Party. And then I've got something else for you after that. Joe Spranger, Joe Spranger. I'm here live with Joe Spranger. Joe, you've been known, you're known for your track stand. So do you, are you, are you aware of there's a world record for a track stand? Yeah, I am. I'm not sure how long it is, but. So this is on your radar already. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So what, what is your record for track standing? Or have you actually, is, is anybody hung out long enough to time you? Uh, it's, it's 30 minutes. 30 minutes, 30 minutes, cool. And that's on a flat ground or is that on the uh, velodrome? It's on the track with Will. Nice, nice. So this is, that's, I would call that an official 30 yeah. minutes on the track. Yeah. So like eventually like you slowly move down the track just from wiggling a little bit, but yeah. So what are the, what are the, what's the protocol as far as like moving backwards or? Oh, uh, I'm not totally sure on that, but like I don't, we, we stayed in about the same spot. We just moved down the track a little bit from wiggling, but. So how do you practice something like that? Uh, you just have to start start out somewhere watch some YouTube videos and then you'll get the hang of it pretty easily nice nice well we look forward to a future, a future world record yeah totally thanks Joe that was cool great job rocket thanks man, man. you're thanks. natural you, Next, you know, there's that's just a preview, Greg. There's going to be uh, tons of interviews um, yes. out on the road, you know, because I'll have access to all these races now. And a lot of these races, most of the time I'll be racing, but not all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and those are the times, too, where I'll be able to have a little more time to interview some people from other teams. So what you got cooking, man? What you got planned for us in the future? Well, you're going to have to wait, but Ooh. there's there, well, but at the first trip, there's going to be some interviews. So we're going to yeah. be going down to some Arizona surprises. and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll whip out some interviews while we're down there. I have an idea who they may be, and folks, you're going to want to hear them. I can't wait to hear what you do with them because, you, like I said, you're a natural, dude. Like like I said, here's the recorder. Do your thing. <laughs> and you did your thing, and it was perfect. Thanks. It's great. Speaking of interviews, um, we talked a lot about V, Veronica. She mm -hmm. was at the party. She was in town, and then she's got a big year coming up, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I got a chance to catch up with her, and uh, this is what she had to say. Hey, V. Welcome back home, man. It's great to have you. How's everything going? It's going really well, yeah. How is Europe treating you? It's amazing. It's completely different than what I'm used to in the States, but it's, it's really cool. It's an experience. What are the biggest distinctions? What are the biggest things you notice that are different? Oh, man. Roads-wise, it's way narrower roads. Um, road furniture. Um, cobbles. Yeah, lots of fun things. <laughs> How's the food? It's eh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. How long are you in town for? Until um, January. January I'll be heading to California for a bit, and then February I'll be in Europe. Now, do you guys have a pretty heavy race schedule starting in 2022? I don't have that quite yet, but um, I will have it soon. That's great, man. It's so great to have you back. We'll have you back on the podcast again, but it was really good to catch up to you live in person. And by the way, I loved your speech, what you wrote. I, I totally got it. Definitely got a little emotional when I was hearing it because I know this club's given me a lot, too, in different ways. Different for you than, than for me, but, but still great stuff, right? Yes, definitely. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.
This is great. We're, we're telling you what you can expect in the future. We launched the podcast over a year ago. We're just starting to hit our stride. We have a lot of things we're going to be doing. And we, we talk a lot about cycling, but it's not just about cycling. It's cycling in relation to everything else, music, art, our health, transformation, you know, what we learn that we can bring into other areas of our life. That's what it's all about, right? So, you know, we're going to have racers. We're going to have musicians and artists. I, in my past life, as you know, was a mm -hmm. music journalist. I founded Seattle Music Insider. It's still going. I'm not running it, but it's still going. And we had access to cover everything, all the festivals, yeah. anything we wanted to cover. Um, I had access to cover some really amazing artists, like, like Grammy Award-winning national artists. Right. I was really privileged to do that. And, and I want to do more of that here but one of the highlights for me and this is this is this is blowing my mind because <laughs> i ha at first i used to have to go track down interviews and once you start going and you're getting some really good interviews and you build up your library yeah. then the agents start coming to you and say hey do you want to interview talk so to me greg talk to me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. hey do you want to interview john anderson from yes and you said yes no. <laughs> That's good. No, I did. I did say yes. I said yes. No, I said no. Let me. Yeah, let me think about it. Do I want to interview John Anderson, the legendary John Anderson, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer? Uh, do I want to interview him? One of my musical heroes, an artist that I listened to constantly when I was a kid, mm -hmm. an artist whose music I went to, went to sleep to when I was in the army. Do I want to interview John Anderson? Well, okay. <laughs> I'll do it. No, I um, had the privilege of interviewing John Anderson from Yes, and it was special, man, because I, yeah. John Anderson means a lot to me as an artist. I love Yes. I love prog rock. I'm a prog rock geek. And so I got a chance to interview him, and it was amazing. What a nice guy. Just just. A, a one of a kind voice like you know who it is nobody sings right. like him those songs are part of our soundtrack right and then i got to meet him at the triple door because he was in town to do a show so i got to meet him yeah right now here here's the, a really cool part of the story so alan white is the drummer for yes alan yeah. lives up here oh cool alan also played on john lennon with the plastic ono band right so he he and john played together for for years wow. he sat in a room with john lennon on instant karma right so alan's at the show uh -huh. john's solo john's no longer in yes yes is touring with a different singer oh yeah but alan and john i think they were the the two the two members that still remained in contact because there yeah. was a little bit 
of tension. But now I think some of it's been alleviated because they were all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they performed together. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Alan's sitting next to me watching John. Nor I'm used to seeing them on stage together. Right. I look at Alan. John gives, gives Alan a shout-out at the end of the audience about a song they wrote together called Turn of the Century. And then Alan's smiling, and then John, just with his acoustic guitar, starts playing it. I look over, and Alan's got a tear coming down. Oh, cool. I was watching Alan watching John. Yeah. Now, as a Yes fan, I mean, just Alan's a good guy. He's a friend, really great, awesome person in the community. And then I interviewed John previously. Yeah. And I'm sitting here watching Alan watching John. Amazing. Yeah. It's surreal. Yeah. And, and, And it was a moment I will never forget. So anyway... I digress. Um, I want to play our audience a clip of that interview. With John. I want to play the entire interview that I did with John and some music and, and give you a taste of, of what you can expect going forward. Uh, I can't promise we're going to have John Anderson again. Who knows? Maybe we will. But we are going to have some great musical artists, and you can get a flavor of kind of uh, what we're going to bring to you. And here's that interview right now. Um, I'll tell you, I interview a lot of folks, a lot of great artists, national artists, global artists, local artists. And this is the first time I probably interviewed an artist whose music is probably more important to me than just about any artist I've ever listened to, except the Beatles. Cool. (laughs) Your music uh, through Yes, your solo work has been a huge part of the soundtrack of my life. I can go back to specific moments in my life where your music and your voice in particular brought me great comfort through some very, uh, you know, difficult times as a youth. And I want to thank you for the great music and your wonderful voice and thank God uh, for working through you, through your instrument. Excellent. I'm, I'm always uh, on a daily basis. I'm always very thankful and happy to do what I do. And when I look back over the years, I just, uh, it's, it's hard to take it all in sometimes, mm-hmm. but I always remember, uh, some of the great moments with the band and performance and recording and how we used to do this music in the seventies, especially, uh, that was really very different. And of course, into the eighties and, uh, even the last album we ever did, which was Magnification, is still a beautiful album. Mm-hmm. So I, I always felt that we were doing something different. Absolutely. It, it, it seems like the music was bigger than life itself. And that it in some ways, you know, I always think great music, you're not, we don't necessarily create it. it it's actually, we're just the, merely the conduits and it's out there. And we're, and we're, okay. we're, we're pulling it in and it comes through us. But the music itself is bigger than us. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I think of, you know, it's funny, I have to go back because I, you know, you go through different periods in your life and I think of different yes music and, and, and where I was in my life, what I was doing and where I was, you know, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. But I remember specifically being in the army when I was in the early 80s and 81. And it was, you know, pretty lonely being in the army at the time. And, you know, going to bed um, and falling to sleep, listening to, Tales of Topographic Oceans and uh, shining my boots for an inspection and listening to animation. And I just think of different periods of my life, how much your music and how much the yes music. And, and again, I've said this before, your voice brings great comfort and, and almost is, um, I don't know, I, I, I guess kind of a gateway into kind of a spiritual realm and into the bigger part of ourselves that we, we kind of overlook through the day-to-day mundane tasks that we go through. Well, I think in a way I was going through everything you're talking about when I was writing the music and the songs and felt that, you know, I think one of the things when I look way, way back, I thought, why did I get famous or, or success and at that moment in time? I realized that you meant to be doing something important uh, in my heart. And I think I was on this sort of spiritual quest and uh, still am. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a never-ending source of enjoyment and excitement to wake up every day and to make music. And I think music is this incredible uh, connection to the soul. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it work. 
Amen to that, brother. I always looked at Yes Music as being more than just an entertainment medium. I mean, a lot of music's entertainment. It's disposable. Yes Music, and even your solo work, is is not disposable. It, it, you know, I listened to Yes Music 30 to 40 years after it came out, and it's still relevant to me because of the spiritual aspects of the music and the lyrical content. And I think another thing that I love about your voice is, is I honestly, there's a lot of singers and, and you hear a singer and you go, Oh, he kind of sounds like this or he's influenced by this person. And honestly, there is nobody that I've ever heard that sounds like you. You have this really amazing gift of having this distinct voice. And there's others that, that, that do yes, tribute bands and, and, Yes is out uh, with a couple, has been out with a couple of singers, but it's, nobody sounds like you. It's, it's, it's amazing. Well, thank you so much for that. And in a way, when I sing, especially these last few years, I just sing um, when I do my solo shows. I I seem to be in this sort of, I don't know what's the word. It's sort of uh, connected Mm -hmm. to everything. So the voice is uh, the more if I if I think about what I'm doing and what I'm singing, I, I stumble a bit. Mm-hmm. It's when I'm not thinking that it sings to me and it sounds really beautiful to me. I'm listening to the voice and thinking I'm so happy my voice is doing well mm-hmm. and very uh, everything is always very important and it still is. It's just part of the experience of trying to explain your inner thoughts without being too mundane or too obvious. You, you try to sing song, the lyrics in a way that are entertaining. And then they give the listener a sort of a, like going on a journey every time you hear the song. And when I look back at, you know, I'm still singing and you and I, I'm still singing roundabout and uh, long distance run around all these songs because you know, I brought them to the group, and I still enjoy singing them, mm-hmm. them and performing them. And as I sing them, I'm still listening to the work. It's just <laughs> funny. No, it's, it's like Starship, Starship Trooper is a, uh, an important song because I'm singing about my sort of higher self. Uh, mm-hmm. Sister Bluebird or Starship Trooper is this higher, higher self guiding me to the light. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at the time, I was reading a lot of Herman Hesse books about uh, Journey to the East, uh, Siddhartha, these kind of books that were opening up my spiritual uh, awareness, if you like. So it sort of it sort of uh, got into the songs and became part of my life experience to write and rewrite the same sort of, uh, not message so much, but the same in- intonation as to what I feel and what, what is happening around us. In the hope that somebody you know your voice and I was just listening to open which is your your most recent work with the uh with the symphony absolutely brilliant but your voice your range is still there I mean you still have this amazing range you haven't lost anything it's funny, my talking voice my talking voice is very quiet and, and sometimes very husky but as soon as I start singing it just changes mm. it's angelic and I'm sure you you you've been told that you the one thing that I think I love about what I've always loved about your voice and your lyric writing and just, and I think you're delivering your phrasing is you almost approach it. You have a childlike enthusiasm and a childlike approach to your art. And, and that really comes through. And I think when I listen to what you do, I kind of get in touch with that part of myself. Yeah. I think uh, one of the main things about music is not to be, the dominant force when you're creating or when you're singing or writing. Let, let the forces from outside come in and show you the way and, be again, be a child in this life. Why not? You know, it's not it's not that much fun being an adult, I seem to find. <laughs> so, so when I'm thinking as a child, as I remember my childhood, I walk around the garden here where I live and... I rejoice in nature and, and look at birds and, and butterflies flying by and things like that that I used to look at as a kid. Mm. And when you're in your 20s, 30s, you're busy setting up your life and your mm. career. And uh, eventually you refine that innocence. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's a great part of life is to find refining the innocence of, of and joy of life. 
No, I, I agree. I, I find that I'm, I'm much less cynical now than I was when I was in my teens or, or my, my late twenties. And I find that the simple things, the most simple things that, that maybe when you're younger, you overlook are, are the most fascinating and, and the most rich. And, and you're right. I think when we're younger, we're trying to get someplace We're all, we're focused on the destination and what we're going to be and who we're going to be and how we're going to define ourselves. And we miss out on the journey. Yeah, the classic line is, is it's not the destination, it's the journey. So. It's true. And being in the moment, and uh, one of my favorite uh, cliches or, or sayings, but I love it, they say the, uh, uh, the gift is in the now, that is why it's called the present. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's there was true. a book years ago, there was a book years ago called Be Here Now, and uh, I was writing some songs a couple of weeks ago, and that and that lyric came up to live in the be here now mm-hmm. and uh, living in the moment. It's something that we're not necessarily taught to do. Is, is no. when you go to school and college, you're always taught about different things, and uh, living in the moment is, is precious and. Uh, I, I'm, I, can't, I keep thinking in the back of my mind, the, the sports, the surroundings, you know, you watch basketball. Mm-hmm. I'm a big football, football fan, soccer. soccer fan. Yeah, I've been watching the games this last couple of weeks, and they're just so, so amazing, the games. Mm-hmm. The Chelsea game winning the Euro- oh, yeah. European uh, Championship. That's Who would have thought? And, 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 of course, my son is a Chelsea fan, and I'm a Manchester United fan. Uh-oh. So I'm a Chelsea fan, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, but I couldn't, I could, I could uh, after Torres scored that goal against Barcelona, I, I changed my whole world. <laughs> I saw Manchester United, they came to Seattle last year, and they were absolutely brilliant. They just schooled yeah, us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's poetry. It really is an art form, isn't it? It's another art form. Yeah. Um, it truly yeah. is. Yeah, we could we could go and we could do a whole you know conversation just about football because I love it. I've played it since I was twelve. I've coached it, and we have the Seattle Sounders up here, and and I'm a regular soccer goer, if you will. I call, I call it football, but you know Americans call it soccer. Yeah. It's, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful game. Well, I, you know, I come from Accrington, which is a small town north of Manchester. And Accrington Stanley was one of the first eleven teams in the first league ever. In 1874, I think it was. Wow. So yeah, I, go, I go way back. Yeah. No, it's a great game. It's it's a beautiful game, and, and it's been part of my life as long as uh, Yes Music has. <laughs> Soccer and Yes yeah, Music, good combination. Yeah, I just wrote a song for the Brazilian World Cup, yeah. and uh, I'm singing in Portuguese at times and English, and I'll be sending it to a record company in Brazil this summer. So I'm looking forward to the World Cup in Brazil. It's going to be a lot of fun. I got a chance to see Pele play when I was 15, when he came up here a couple times when he was playing for the old New York Cosmos. Amazing. He was Amazing. Still, he was still great. He was 36 oh, years yeah. old and still better than everybody else on the pitch. Oh, yeah. Hi, this is John Anderson. You're listening to SMI Radio. You know, John, it was interesting. You're, you're talking about, you know, writing another song uh, you are very prolific i mean when you were not when you're not with yes i mean you've worked with vangelis and kataro and and then you had your solo work i mean you're always doing something i mean you had this most recent um piece called open which was again brilliant and then you worked with rick on the living tree and then you put out a solo record called survival and other stories which is a lovely record i've listened to it several times through i was just listening to it the other day you're just always doing something musically it seems like well it seems as though when i when i first started you know i I didn't when i joined the band yes i just started playing guitar i was like 24 years old which is very late in life to be picking up an instrument so over the next 10 years i I bumped into vangelis i'd start to learn to play the piano with him and then you learn from people as you get older and older. And now I'm still learning, especially about symphonic music, the structures and everything. So I, I keep thinking that I'm really right in the middle of my creative zone and uh, just keep na- making music every day. And that's what I do. It, yeah, it, it, I, was, I was just looking at your website and I have pretty much everything you've done. 
and you're always doing something when you you were it's it's you have all this this creative energy that's flowing out of you i mean you've always been creative and you've always been very prolific but i know that that you know last year the year before you had some very serious health issues and we almost lost you and the record survival and other stories is is really kind of came from that experience has that impacted the way that you kind of view life in terms of your creativity knowing that hey all we have is now and there's no time to waste. Is that is that kind of your approach? Yeah, that's part of it. Because uh, working with people uh, via the internet, you you get to m- make music every day. I, mm-hmm. People send me music mo- almost every day, and if the feeling hits me, I'll sing something. And uh, when you finish it with a collection of about five hours of music, you have to start sifting through and then revisiting the music that I've been doing over the last four or five years. And uh, getting very sick, it sort of really propelled me to want to get some music finished that I I would have never dreamed of doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just working on so many things at the moment. So I think it could be a a, a feeling like i got to get this stuff done. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know. You never know when you're going to be on to the next level, which is uh, the next world, as they call it. No, I never turn back When I saw the distant call of fire Never ran away When I heard my heart was burning fast Take away the first hello Take away the first hello You never broke me You never broke me No, I never turned back When the fire descended on my soul Never ran away When I knew that I was getting old I never turned back Spirit of love 
Hi, this is Alan White from Yes, and you're listening to SMI Radio. Yeah, it, it's interesting. As you get older, as I get older, I just realize that time goes faster and faster. And my theory on that is that, you know, when you're 10, a year is one-tenth of your life. And when you get to be 50, like where I'm at now, it's one-fiftieth yeah. of your life. And your whole re- relation to time, and it, it seems like, the days just go so quickly and, and the weeks go so quickly. And when you're it's a child, so true. Yeah. It's so true because, you know, I, I will pop out to the store or go downtown because I live about 15 minutes away from downtown, small town. And I'll go out and I'll do something. I'll pick something up. I'll come back and I think, gosh, I just time traveled. <laughs> I, I <laughs> it was like no time at all. There's no time at all. There I am. I know. I know. Remember when you're a kid, it's like two weeks before Christmas seemed forever. <laughs> For sure. For <laughs> and sure. now it's like, it's a snap of the finger. Yeah. We're nearly there already. <laughs> I know. Now, do you still live in San Luis Obispo? Yeah. In Aurora Grande, which is sort of south in, in the hills. Beautiful, mm. beautiful place to live. And, uh, a lot of pollen, which is dangerous, but mm-hmm. you get used to it. Your body gets used to it. But gosh, it's it's. Uh, I'm so thankful for everything that uh, happens around me. Me and my wife live mm-hmm. here. I have my studio. We have deer. Mm. We have uh, skunks. We have rabbits. We have birds every day. Nice. It's amazing. It's a little slice of heaven. My uh, my cousin, her husband, coaches the basketball team at Cal Poly down there. Ah, cool. Joe cool. Calero, yeah, he is a he's the coach of of the basketball team. He loves it in San Luis Obispo. Beautiful. Well, John, um, first of all, before we wrap it up, um, I, I got to ask this. I, I a friend of ours who lives up here, Alan White and Gigi, are friends of ours, and I just saw yep. Alan actually a couple weeks ago. Do you still keep in touch? Yeah, well, I emailed him early this year. He wasn't too well, so I just wished him the best, and he's been on tour, as you know. Mm-hmm. So. Not as much as I would like. Alan's a good guy, and Gigi's he's wonderful. I know that she came out and saw yeah. your show at the Triple Door in the fall, last fall. Yeah, they're wonderful people. Yeah, we love them, and, and Alan's obviously a very talented drummer. I, any chance one day that you guys would, would work together again with Yes? You'd be the first person I call. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Whatever it is, your music, Yes Music lives on. What you're doing is absolutely brilliant. You're going to be playing The Triple Door, June 11th, June 12th. You're just starting a brand new tour, and you're going to start that off in Milwaukee on June 3rd. And you will be in Seattle at The Triple Door, and I'm definitely going to be there for that. And I hope to get to meet you in person. And then you're going to uh, you're going to England to perform with the Slovakian Chamber Orchestra. you got a lot of great stuff happening. So look forward to yeah. seeing you next next week, John. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you for your time, and and I'll see you very soon, and have a great day, and thank you again for the wonderful music and uh, your wonderful spirit. Take away the walls that break the big expansion They've been running out of time to chase a course They've been cutting down the children to forget you They've been dancing on the ones that use the force They've been dancing on the mercies of the force This is your life This is your time You are You are the light.
That was a legendary John Anderson with Big Buddha Song from Survival and Other Stories. We opened up the second half of the show with a track called Olympia from his 82 release, Animation. And we're going to finish off today's show with a beautiful song, one of my favorites of all time from John, the title track from Songs of Seven. John Anderson is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, an award-winning artist, playing with a band that has spanned multiple generations. Yes, hits like Roundabout and You and I, Owner of a Lonely Heart. His voice is a a one-of-a-kind. There's nobody that sounds like him. Many have tried, and they come close, but there's only one John Anderson. So it was a, a real honor to be able to uh, interview him and bring that to our podcast here because we're going to have a lot of artists and we wanted to give you a little taste of uh, of, of what is to come. Anyway, uh, Rocket had to go and take off to pick up Wolfie, so that leaves me to close things out. I want to thank Rocket for being in the studio and being who he is. But most of all, we want to thank you for listening. Because without you, we're just two guys 
sitting in a room talking to ourselves. And it's fun, but it's a lot more fun with you. So until next time, peace, love, cycling, health, music, art, and transformation. This is We Ride Y Radio.
We Ride Y Radio. Thank you for riding with us.